Wonder Vista, episode 168. I am Ben, and I am here in beautiful Costa Rica, traveling by helicopter to check out a new business venture being undertaken by my benefactor, the CEO of a genetics company. <laughs> With me in the helicopter, wearing all black and insultingly oversimplifying chaos mathematics, it's Lucy. Hey, Lucy. Hi. I definitely know what that means. Yep. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's not me, for the record. No, that is you. That's, <laughs> that's not me. It is a perfect imitation of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Across from Lucy, wearing business ZZ shorts, <laughs> sweating profusely from his loyally bald spot, it's Andrew. Hey, Andrew. I'm so worried about how this is going to go. But like, like for the park, financially. You're very excited about the money, yeah. I'm so excited about the money. Uh, I just want everything to go great. I'm frankly not concerned about anything that can or will happen to me. What's that guy's name? Gennaro. Is that it? Someone Gennaro? Mr. Lawyersman. Mr. <laughs> Lawyers Gennaro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lawyers Gennaro. That's a great movie. I think I've watched Jurassic Park. It's in like the top five movies I've watched the most. Of all time, by far. We watch it so often in this household. It's I've seen it at least twice. It's just so good. I saw it at the movies. Like when know. it came out in 1993? Yeah. Yes. I want to say. Yes. Wow. I was three years old. I was also three years old. <laughs> uh, we were we were in Sydney. It was my birthday. Um, what birthday? Mm. What I number? Ge- I guess. It, wh- when did you say 93? I would have been 11. I think it's 93, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. We've been 11. Um, had French onion soup at a restaurant <laughs> beforehand. This is a great story. Happy Very fucking good. birthday. Happy Here's birthday. French onion soup. I'm, I'm sure it was my choice and it was delicious. Um, I'm just picturing 11-year-old Andrew like, I'll have the French onion soup. You look That's exactly a normal the same dish for an 11-year-old. <laughs> You've got a smaller body, but your head is the same size. You've still got a beard. Yeah, combing, combing the soup out of my beard. <laughs> Uh, and then we went to see Jurassic Park, and I got very scared by the scene at the start with the velociraptors. Oh, it's a mm, scary scene. It's scary. Yeah, when they're like dragging the guy into the thing, and he's going, "Oh no!" We have a we have a lot of conversations about this, like showing movies to our kids, um, which which movies are appropriate. Uh, I think a lot of the time, Eleanor wants to watch movies that she likes and remembers very fondly from her childhood. So, like, you know, she always wants. Um, the kids, the kids love the Adams Family movies, mm. uh, for example. But Elna always wants them to watch Sister Act, and she put like the first Sister Act on for them recently. And I was like, "Good luck! You are going to be explaining <laughs> everything all the way through this." For example, what is a nun? <laughs> yep. And the whole start of the movie is Whoopi Goldberg in fucking Las Vegas doing like a C grade showgirl routine that she hates hanging out with her mobster boyfriend harvey keitel who then kills somebody in front of her oh okay yeah but then there's all that singing and dancing so it does that's fun kids love that but yeah i was saying to her i was like so once once you get past explaining what organized crime murder las vegas and show tunes are who harvey keitel is yep (laughs) then then once we're past all of that and you have explained the concept of witness protection uh, then we can start to explain why all of these women wearing gowns live in this musty-ass old big house. <laughs> I was like, why would they enjoy this? The first <laughs> thing you need to understand is, these ladies don't have sex. That's right. <laughs> yeah. The second That's thing right. you need to understand is, here's what sex is. 
I know what you're thinking when you look at these women. They probably bang. But let me tell you this, my children. No. No. Kids are always asking questions. They can't just let stuff go. Like, if I don't understand a word in a movie, I'm like, it doesn't matter. But they're like, what does random mean? <laughs> like, you go, all right, like, here oh. we go. <laughs> so much of the time, though, it's really frustrating. So much of the time... Um, they're asking you about what is happening in the movie and they're talking over the movie explaining what's happening. And it's very frustrating. <laughs> like they're, they're asking what the thing that just happened meant while somebody like turns to the camera and it explains, like that. explains what the thing meant. Not, not to compare uh, my partner to a child, but George, <laughs> George has a real mm-hmm. habit of being like, Asking about what's happening for things that are definitely going to be explained later in the movie. Oh, I hate that. Just <laughs> doing do that it. real, like, you'll you'll find out. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not Just gonna... wait. Just wait five minutes. I, I do find myself saying to Elle, <laughs> maybe if we watch the movie, it will explain it to us. <laughs> maybe we'll find out who that guy was. Elle's other big problem is that she can't tell the difference between different men. Excuse me? Yeah. If we're watching a movie that is just all guys, she's like, oh, no, I'm not going to. Has she considered tweeting this opinion? Because I feel that it would get, like, huge numbers. Yeah. Some great engagement. Men be looking the same, which is Men largely... It's true. They do largely look the same. But, uh, Andrew, have you ever seen The Thin Red Line, the Terrence Malick war movie? I haven't actually, oh, well, despite it's, its storied history. It's amazing and also very funny because uh, Adrian Brody was edited out of the movie and he was fucking furious about it and didn't find out until the premiere. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, yeah, well, see, see, a war movie is a perfect example because you have all these dudes and they're wearing uniforms mm-hmm. and they're different hairstyles that are covered up by helmets. Well, uh, and yeah. everyone's like, oh no. It, that movie is just the first time I watched it. I was like, "Wow, that one protagonist had a lot of feelings." And I was like, looking at the Wikipedia article, it's like this movie has three protagonists. <laughs> oh shit! All right, that, that makes sense. Oh dear, men—they all be looking the same, and they only want one thing. That is simply to bust a nut. Now, <laughs> yeah, all right, okay. All right, normally, fine. normally is- the way. Partly my fault, so... This is 100% your fault. 110%. So, you know, normally if you need help with your sex life, there's only one place to turn, and you need to write in and ask for help from Dr. Lucy. If you find that you are having a little relationship trouble Just to pick up your telephone and dial it on the double You call one Paging Dr. Lucy. Paging Dr. Lucy. I was really hoping that you would find a way to contort this into a paging Dr. Lucy one just so we could play that theme. That's that's usually what I'm doing. With my I time. think we need a new theme for the title that Ben has put in there, which is "I hope you're happy, Lucy." <laughs> that's a great segment, actually. Yeah, we'll work on that one. Oh boy! So, Lucy, would you like to explain what you have brought to the show? And I will. Why, why you want people to hear about? I don't it. know why I want people because I had to see it. So now I wish everyone else would. <laughs> I saw a tweet that was like. Remember when Dilbert cartoonist Scott Adams hypnotized all of his readers into coming? And I was like, huh, that's a funny tweet. That's a good joke. 
And then I realized that it is not, in fact, a joke. And uh, Scott Adams has a blog full of all kinds of stuff, a lot of insane conservative stuff, but also a, just an orgasm hypnosis. So the thing about this is that I, I definitely read this before, but oh, in okay. my mind, I was like, well, I'm this coming, is from way I'm coming. Back. That's what you... <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was way older than it is, right? Because he took off as a right-wing personality around, like, the 2016 election. Right. So I was like, this has got to be, like, you know, early 2010s or whatever, where he didn't have much attention. This is from uh, December 31st, 2015. New Year's Eve. Yeah. Just to be be clear, uh, Scott Adams, the cartoonist who invented Dilbert. Mm-hmm. Sexual dynamo Dilbert. Yes. Who, who fucked once and we canonically know that because of the one time that his tie wasn't erect, yes. which he said would happen if Dilbert ever had sex. <laughs> oh, boy. Sky is just a strange man. Um, have you seen his wife, Lucy? No, I haven't. Oh, I'll, boy. All right. I'll have a look at that one later. He, he just got married like several weeks ago. Oh. Um, and his wife is like a... An inappropriately young um, conservative influencer. Oh, who's who's one of those like um, one of those like I'm a traditional wife and I practice classical piano kind of like a bit like the Abby Shapiro kind of thing. But uh, but yes, I encourage you to look into his wedding photos where it looks like uh, some lady letting her granddad have the first dance at the wedding. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, to be fair, he's clearly into some weird sexual shit, so maybe she's having a great time. Maybe. There's no way of knowing. (laughs) (laughs) Should we just... So, to be clear, this is meant to be... You're meant to be hypnotized from reading this blog, which I don't think is a thing. I don't think you can become hypnotized from reading. I don't think a blog has ever made anyone come. That is... (laughs) I don't think it is either. One of my core beliefs. (laughs) Classic hypnosis by reading. Oh, well, I'm that... looking at the wedding photos and now I'm just sad. Mm, oh, it definitely does. Like the first photo that comes up, you're like, it's her saying, hey, dad, thanks for giving me away at this Thank wedding. Thank you for walking me down I, I the really aisle. appreciate it. Well, I'll make you happy in a second because oh, no. I'm about to hypnotize you to have the best New Year's Day ever. Part four, oh, the climax. <laughs> So it starts with a warning. This post involves real hypnosis on the reader. It doesn't, just to be clear. It's intended for adults only. The classic says, way to hypnotize someone is to tell them that you are currently hypnotizing them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you are about to be hypnotized. I am hypnotizing you. And it says, do not read further unless you've already read parts one to three. And so I see that you've written whoops in the notes there, Ben. Uh, but we are not I tried to read click those. on them and the links don't work. So. Oh, we're off the hook then. Thank we're God. off the hook. We're skipping straight to the climax. Are you guys ready? No. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry. All right, I've popped my so, shirt off. I'm ready now. <laughs> sorry, his current wife, 32 years old. He is 63. Love knows no boundaries. No, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Each to their it's, own. Age is just a number. Just and two number, numbers man. can be very different from each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> one number can be twice as big as the other one, you know? <sighs> Go on, Lucy. All right, let's I'm, go. I am also taking my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> let's begin by reviewing what we know. You know already, no, you know I already told the bedroom submissives reading this blog to obey my orders tonight 
and find a way to thank me. The fuck? This is Scott Adams writing this, just to be clear. Inventor just want you to really Dilbert. picture that. Dilbert, he's the guy, you know, he's at a computer and he's always like, hey, programming is hard. And his boss is like, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, that Dilbert. Always getting up to mischief. <laughs> this group is quivering in anticipation and has my permission to enjoy the evening. You are my favorites. Be good. <laughs> thank you, Daddy. <laughs> For those of you who felt anti-aroused reading this blog series, uh-huh. I'm putting like my I'm hand so, up. I'm, I'm standing up and waving my arms around. <laughs> I recognized your brain wiring as the no-by-reflex personality type. And in part two, I hypnotize you to not enjoy your New Year's celebration or the following day with deeply satisfying orgasms. He reverse psychology hypnotized them? Yeah. I he hope like, you don't, don't have, fun. have big cums. <laughs> so... Hold on a second. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, well, uh, hold on, hold on. So, really so number one, the hypnosis here. Number one, he says that he recognizes uh, your brain wiring as the no by reflex personality type. Now, we all know that type of person who says no to everything. Oh, right. We're doing a yes in, man scenario, including yeah. sixty-three no year. <laughs> you know, it's just like some people say yes to everything. Some people say no to everything. Even. Wonderful opportunities like 63-year-old Scott Adams, inventor of Dilbert, telling you that he's going to remotely make you come via blog post. <laughs> and then, uh, I really like the follow-up to that, which is that he says, oh, if you said that you didn't want to have a big orgasm because of my blog post on this day, uh, and you don't have an orgasm on that day, that's because I told you not to. <laughs> it's a real uh, heads-I-win-tells-you-lose mm, scenario. It sure is. I'm just picturing him being like, sorry, honey, I can't spend tonight with you. I've got to make my readers do some big comments. <laughs> I've got to, got to remotely... <laughs> remotely control my weird blog readers. Astrally project myself around the world, giving a hand job to every one of my readers. Oh. <sighs> Every continue. every Scott Adams reader making the Dan Aykroyd face from <laughs> Ghostbusters 1 at the same time. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. So, he's really got you here. If you enjoy yourself sexually during this holiday, it means I am controlling you with my hypnosis. And this group doesn't want that. So, keep your sex drive to yourself if you can. So, do, do an orgasm to spite... To spite my, these people that don't want to have an orgasm. To spite my blog readers who said I couldn't hypnotize you into coming. <laughs> spite orgasms, you know, one of the top kinds of orgasm oh, that yeah. you can have. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so glad this is pissing someone off. <laughs> They're the type that is uh, most easy to achieve. We all, we all know. <laughs> so true. Uh, and you know I promise that today is the day for the rest of you. I will begin by noting those areas in which you and I most agree. This is called pacing. It is how I get inside your head to push buttons. You've found yourself thinking about my words more than usual this week. You are curious whether I have the skills to suggest you into the best orgasms of your life on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. If not the best orgasms of all time, definitely some of the best, but probably the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> top five? Mm, yeah, it sounds like he's saying it's maybe a top five scenario. I will explain why it will work. Think about the best lover you have ever had. All right, we all thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. All right, it's, it's a nice one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm picturing remember? my beautiful wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Remember that person's scent and touch. Notice how the memory activates your feel-good chemistry. You have noticed that each lover in each situation feels different on a chemical level. 
Your body's sexual chemistry is, by its nature, adaptable, diversified, and ready for new experiences. Imagine what would happen if you combined the best chemistry from your best orgasmic experiences into one cumulative experience. Do you think you would like that? I don't want him to ask me that. <laughs> I don't want him to ask me that. It already started. Oh no, I'm coming. <laughs> Let me just say this is like this is the most erotic thing I've ever heard. Some okay. real real mm. um letters to penthouse. It's like think stuff. about all the times you've come and imagine them all accumulating into one big cum. Yeah, imagine you were doing Do you like that? Once. What if everyone you'd ever had sex with formed into some sort of Voltron and <laughs> then they jacked you off? <laughs> Covered in all the breasts and vaginas and penises <laughs> of everyone you've ever been attracted to. Isn't that sexy? Do you like that? <laughs> big, big Cthulhu monster with penises for tentacles. It's a golem made out of a Roger Desernes. It's here to give you a lovely time. Oh, no. Oh, all right, most all right, of you so have that's begun... What, that's what I'm picturing now. That's yeah. what <laughs> most of you have begun to feel the change, indeed. My email... By the way, dilbertcartoonist at gmail.com is starting to fill with stories from readers who have had spontaneous orgasms since part one. Oh, God. Because they feel my intention, as you do now. I'm, I'm walking through the supermarket. I'm just... I'm staring thinking, at two different thinking, types of mayonnaise, trying to yeah, pick one. Do I get two liters of milk or three? Suddenly, I'm busting a massive load in my pants. And my first thought is... Oh, this is the Dilbert cartoonist post that I read on Friday night. You're lying on the floor of the supermarket in a post-orgasm spasming state. around. Shaking your fist at the heavens, being like, Scott Adams, creator Scott of Dilbert! Adams. He said he was going to do it, and I didn't believe him. When the security is trying to drag out. you out, you're like, no, 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 it was the guy that made Dilbert. He did this. Sitting in my car, opening the Gmail app to immediately <laughs> compose an email, an email to DilbertCartoonist at gmail.com to let him know what happened. Please email him if this is really getting you off too. Don't email us. I'm no, please not don't. interested. Uh, for perspective, about 20% of the public would normally respond to my suggestions immediately. <laughs> All right. The rest of you require repetition and you are getting it. I'm really, I'm really hating the like... Dom Daddy vibes he's trying Don't to Don't like it. Him. Not into it. And you are getting it. It has already started. It just, really hasn't, bro. It yeah. hasn't. You can just picture his face writing this, though. He oh, loves it. He God. is loving it. Whew. Whether you could feel my intention early this week or it starts later today, every person is different. Tonight, all paths to satisfaction are the right paths. So true. Tonight, you have my full appreciation with complete sincerity. For everything you are and everything you did this year, good or bad, I like you and I mean it. Leave me alone, Scott Adams. <laughs> Reading your comments is often a highlight <laughs> oh, of my day. Funny. Feel my appreciation and allow it to boost your chemical experience. Hey, I just, um, just if I ever start to require Scott Adams' involvement or approval to feel good about myself sexually... Don't be shocked when I drive my car off a cliff. That's, I'm just going to be in the I'm mirror saying. later like, Scott Adams likes you. Scott Adams appreciates <laughs> you. <laughs> Regular readers know that I used my background in hypnosis to accurately predict nine, nine out of nine political events in 2015. So While were, most political professionals... events in total? Apparently there were just nine political events in 2015. Yeah. The big nine. 
<laughs> well, most political professionals got zero right. That makes me the best political pundit of the year. What? Well, number one, it was Bill Mitchell. Um, <laughs> but like... You can't predict things with hypnosis. What does he think hypnosis is? I don't know how... And also, background in hypnosis is a very concerning thing mm. to say. Like... I don't know what he thinks this is. I feel like he thinks this is some spiritual experience or magic, but whatever. Uh, actually, that probably makes me the best political predictor in the history of Earth. All right, fucking calm down, Nostradamus. <laughs> nine out of nine. And none of the predictions were obvious or based on trajectory. Really getting off the sexual topic here. <laughs> like, Are you still horny? <laughs> Let me reiterate this. Is this doing it for you? <laughs> Oh, as I made my predictions, I showed my work every step of the way and asked you to judge me by my predictions as opposed to fitting my hypothesis to the past, which is too easy. And then I accurately predicted with confidence nine out of nine unknowable future events and you watched it happen. Is this back to the horny stuff? Is he been like, and you were there to see it happen? <laughs> no, I, love it when somebody, I love it when someone's trying to get me off, but they stop to run down their resume midway through. <laughs> You might also know some of my backstory, I don't, and wonder how <laughs> someone can become a cartoonist with no experience, no training, and no artistic talent. Mm. I sure do. <laughs> the answer is that I did it the same way I predicted nine out of nine, just reiterating, nine out of nine political events in 2015. Persuasion is a learned skill. You probably also know that I have used something called affirmations to find success. Yes. An affirmation is a simple statement of what you want repeated every day. We've all read The Secret, bro. Yeah. We've all seen the movie that The Secret was based on, bro. Um, um, just from his Wikipedia page here, Adams mm. was trained as a hypnotist. And then in, in the very same paragraph, it oh. continues on. He credits affirmations for many of his achievements, including Dilbert's success and achieving a 94th percentile on a difficult qualification exam for business school. <laughs> <laughs> among, among other unlikely events. That's unlikely. Something that only very, very few humans can achieve is the heady heights of passing an exam to get into business school. Uh, he states that the affirmations give him focus. He has described a method which he has used that he says gave him success. He pictured in his mind what he wanted and wrote it down 15 times a day on a piece of paper. Cool. I, once again, though, I don't see the connection between the first part of that paragraph trained as a hypnotist, followed by, I do daily affirmations that I believe bring me Maybe success. Maybe he thinks it's a kind of like self-hypnosis. Maybe. Maybe. You're just like telling the... yourself stuff. Maybe. <sighs> Should we get back to being horny? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to blow. All right. I think we're done with the nine out of nine political events, but I'm sure it might come up again. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I helped you focus on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Some of you took that opportunity to plan ahead so you could improve your odds of an amazing and orgasmic send-off to 2015. Okay. Um, <laughs> some of you directed a spouse or lover to this blog series. No, they didn't. To make sure you were on the same page tonight and tomorrow. That also improved your odds, but you don't yet realize how much. I mean, imagine if they did, though, of being like, hey, you know how we're going to like fuck heaps tomorrow night. Um, by the way, here's a link to the Dilbert website. <laughs> yeah. Just something to read, just something to mull over. I just, um, I do, I really do want it to be a special New Year's Eve. So if you could just pop over to here and read parts one through three of the blog series in which a 63-year-old uh, conservative freak 
<laughs> hypnotizes you into having fantastic orgasms, that would really help us get. That queued would up be night. great. Uh, there's, no, there's nothing that gets me hornier than homework. <laughs> this week, most of you had multiple thoughts about the suggestions I put in your minds. Perhaps something in the environment triggered those thoughts, as I said would happen. Or maybe the thoughts seemed to come from nowhere. Your thoughts triggered small but automatic releases of happy sex chemistry in your body by reflex. God. Everyone is different, so you might not notice the difference yet. I like yeah. how he's always like, maybe you're not feeling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you think this is all stupid shit, in which case I've <laughs> hypnotized you to think that it's dumb. <laughs> Science tells us that happiness makes us smile, but forcing a smile also releases the chemistry in your body that can make you happy. All I'm right. just picturing, so, like, uh, hold on. A, like, an old-timey scientist in a fucking, like, 1940s <laughs> TV presentation being like, and here we see that happiness forces us to make a smile. <laughs> I hold in this beaker pure concentrated happiness. <laughs> oh, our bodies and minds are bi-directional. Either one can jumpstart the other and create a virtuous cycle. Is he just saying that if you jack off, you will come? (laughs) (laughs) Where's the lie? Oh, here we go. For example, real field of dream shit. (laughs) If you jack off, you will come. come. (laughs) If you think about your field of creams. (laughs) 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 If you think about your favorite type of sex. It will trigger your brain to release sex chemicals Normal. in your body. If you think about sex, you will become horny. That's what I'm getting from this. Why is it just like favorite type of sex? What, what are the categories the, here? Can we talk you like positions or just like you've got what's normal. A type? You got weird style. <laughs> you've got Sting uncomfortable. Style. You've got the type you can't wait to be over. That's <laughs> it's in the, the top types. ten, but it's down near like nine or ten that one. But you can also feel a sexual urge build up in your body that is caused by nothing but a lack of sex, and that forces you to think about sex and to re- seek a release of some kind. Just it talking. works both ways. You're just like talking about being horny. The the absolute fundamentals of human sexuality <laughs> happening here. It turns out that if you never have any form of intimacy or sexual interaction, you, that you will, will think about horny. those things. You'll want to do them. <sighs> Thank you, Scott Adams. A cartoonist of- creator of Dilbert. <laughs> <laughs> a number of times this week, you thought about having an amazing physical experience on New Year's Eve and the following day. Each time you had that type of thought, it triggered a small but pleasing increase in your body chemistry. Oh, is goodness. he, once again, <laughs> is he like alluding to merely the concept of anticipation? Mm, mm-hmm. It's exciting stuff. When you notice your body responding to triggers today and tonight, especially when your favorite body parts are involved. List them off. What are we getting? You got your genitals and the feet, right? <laughs> middle, middle toe. <laughs> middle toes coming out strong. It will make you wonder if my suggestions had anything to do with it. <laughs> Too distracted to keep fucking because I'm yeah. wondering. Wait, did Scott Adams make me do this? Oh, now I'm like, if I'm feeling horny later, I'm going to be like, fuck. Is this because of Scott Adams' suggestions? <laughs> God. I'm going to be thinking that for the rest of my life. Every mm-hmm. time. Did I get hypnotized by part four of a four-part series? Oh, Did we that... accidentally then hypnotize the listeners of this podcast who are similarly <laughs> having the same doubts? It's like the game. Every time you think about sex now, you're going to be thinking about this blog. And you lose. Uh, That will trigger your brain, which will activate your body, which will create a feeling that reinforces your thoughts. 
The cycle of triggering will continue until you find a way to relieve it, and you will. Yes, yep. I will, and it's got nothing to do with you. Oh, it does? <laughs> Maybe it does. Uh, have yourself a happy new year in the best possible way. Oh, I do want to go to the, the footnotes here. I think Update. we should. The thank yous are pouring in, and Fuck. people are telling me that it was the best orgasm or several of their lives. I'm hearing stories of rejuvenated marriages, skeptics converted, submissives reaching new heights, and generally a lot of blown minds. And the day isn't over. So he's writing this on New Year's Day. New Year's morning. I <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. Sorry, I'm, sweetie. I can't drink too much tonight. I got to get up first thing. Get up. And start reviewing the results. I don't have any way to estimate percentages, except from my knowledge of hypnosis in general. I expected 20% of my readers to have life-changing experiences. 20% to be annoyed or turned off. Well... That's us, I guess. 60% to feel something happen that demonstrates the unexpected power of persuasion. The 60% would be more easily persuaded in person with feedback and repetition. The 20-60-20 ratio is sort of a given for persuasion on groups. A persuader who can swing 20% of the country at will can dominate nearly any important political topic. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? This whole blog was like, hey, think about sex. I bet you're thinking about sex right now, aren't you? Does sex make you horny, baby? <laughs> Do I make you randy? <laughs> the, the entire central thesis here is um, sex, now that I've got your attention. <laughs> <laughs> so but you're thinking about sex now. This blog is extremely active. Uh, it's also where he posts oh. his podcast. He is up to episode 1136 of his podcast. Wow. Good God. That is so many. It's a lot of podcasts. Too many, in my opinion, as a podcaster. Yeah. Which the maximum amount of episodes you should have is 170. Mm, I long, agree. How long has he been doing it for? Because, like, Joe Rogan's into the thousands, and he's been doing it, like, multiple episodes a week since, I want to say, like, the early or the mid-2000s or something, hasn't he? Well, yeah, because, like, oh, yeah, dude is up to, like... I think they're close to 800, and they have been doing one episode a week since 2006, which is a long one time. A week, yeah. 14 years. Yeah. Terrible. Um, yeah, there's just nothing Nothing to me is less horny than this, like, extremely right-wing, let's, let's turn it into, like, uh, science and analysis kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This is all very, like, um, it all has the, the tint of, like, phrenology and um, genealogy type stuff. All of the, like, I'm obsessed with being able to quantify this in some way. All of these things that, A, shouldn't matter that much, and B, are a lot better when you don't try to get into too much detail <laughs> about them. <laughs> you know? Oh, boy. Thank you, Scott Adams. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, I was a big doubting Thomas, and now my pants are full of cum. Oh. Is that the sound you make when you come? Yeah. <laughs> ghost noises. Yeah, horny ghost. Oh. Thank you, Scott Adams. <laughs> That's my vibe, generally. Hello, it's me. Ben, uh, from this podcast. 
Merriam-Webster defines a podcast as a program made available in digital format for automatic download over the internet, and that simply could not be more true. If you like what we do and want more of this podcast made available to you in digital format for automatic download over the internet, simply go to patreon.com slash Vista and hit the enormous red button that says subscribe. For five US dollars a month, you get access to our weekly bonus episodes, our entire archive of bonus episodes, our exclusive Discord server, and an RSS feed of both bonus episodes and free episodes that doesn't have these ads in them. That sweet, sweet subscriber cash allows me to do this show full time without having to get a real job, and frankly, that whips to me. The other guys also get some money or whatever, but I don't really care. Anyway, check that out if it sounds good to you. Love you. Um, now look, that's that's one type of sexuality. Can't really get behind it. It's uh, it's very, very like uh, clinical, very cold. It's um, my favorite type. I've yeah. definitely discussed how much I love when everything's planned out and clinical. <laughs> yeah, reading a series of blog posts. Spreadsheet horniness. <laughs> uh, nothing makes me hornier than Scott Adams in a lab coat. Uh, with a clipboard asking about me about the intensity of my New Year's Holy Day experience. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry, um, by the look of it, I've I've done a bit of a, a deep dive here. Mm. It looks like the first episode of his podcast came out in uh, 2018. Oh, wow. So, uh, so... March 24th, 2018. Uh, which is also the same day he released the first three episodes. Fuck. And he's done three a day ever since. Yeah. Uh, it looks like he basically does one, like, every day. How long are they doing it? Um, well, this first episode was... Oh, good lord. Uh, 20 minutes long. Still. Oh, boy. Jesus Barely Christ. counts, you know? That should only really be, be one of them. Uh, oh yeah, no! Whereas... I found the earlier parts. Oh no! <laughs> um, whereas Joe Rogan is up to episode one thousand five hundred and forty-one, except that his are like four two hours to, long, two to three hours long on average. Um, that's that's podcasting. <laughs> that's... <laughs> Lucy, what's in the earlier parts? Oh, just I I won't go into them I'm too much. It's a lot more of the same. It's just, oh, no, it's nasty. It's nasty. <laughs> so um, that is one type of sexuality, which is no good to me. It's Scott Adams uh, directing you to his Dilbert blog <laughs> in order to <laughs> learn about coming. Then there's other kinds, like pure, pure, unadulterated sexual magnetism, the kind that we would find radiating from superstar Vin Diesel. <laughs> yes, it's time for Music Corner. Um, previously on this podcast, we have covered the musical exploits of, uh, notorious divorced guy, Jeremy Renner, Mm -hmm. extreme divorced guy energy, uh, making his soundtracks for Jeep commercials and so on. Uh, we also covered the recent turn to EDM by Australian band Wolfmother. Uh, Ben, ask me if I like that Wolfmother song. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Hey, Andrew, do you like that Wolf Mother song? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that fucking song so much. I was just thinking about it yesterday and just started getting angry about it again. Like, he has to know. You have to know if you're calling that song High on My Own Supply. (laughs) High on My Own Supply. God. Just an absolute train wreck that one was. Um, and we have another turn to EDM today as uh, 
wonderful polymath Vin Diesel uh, takes a turn to music because he has, after all, been involved in lots of other stuff. I was only just made aware of uh, the short film Multifacial from 1995, uh, directed, produced, written, and scored by Vin Diesel. Wow. Scored by? Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like a like a 20-minute short uh, that he put together himself about a multiracial actor and the troubles that he faces, you know? He's not... He's too... too too uh too dark for the white roles and too light for the black roles i guess is kind of what's happening to him uh he's italian he's playing hispanic there's all kinds of stuff going on there but apparently this was the um he says here at age 27 he would quote drive around la with vhs copies of the film in the trunk just in case he bumped into someone who could help him with his dreams upon seeing morgan freeman outside of a four seasons hotel he approached freeman and handed him a copy of the film uh, and in 1997, Steven Spielberg saw the movie Strays, having already been impressed with Diesel's performance in Multifacial, and then wrote a role into Saving Private Ryan just for him. Oh, Fascinating Vin Diesel facts. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, now that's self-actualization, Scott Adams. Maybe he was using the Scott Adams system, but he was... Writing down 15 times a day, I would like Steven Spielberg to put me in Saving Private Ryan. I would like to be noticed by, by oh. Steven Spielberg. I'm sorry, can I just give you one paragraph? Yes, you can. <laughs> I've just been scrolling this. Mm-hmm. This is from part three. During the day-to-day and tomorrow, try to ignore all of the sexual cues in your environment. When you see a hot dog or a cigar, <laughs> don't make any automatic associations in your mind. If you see a train entering a tunnel, (laughs) think of it as nothing but transportation. (laughs) Oh my god, he's the funniest man alive. Hate it when I see a guy eating a hot dog, and I'm like, God, I wish someone would fuck me right now. (laughs) Also, I'm hungry. I would like to buy a hot dog. Incredibly horny, Scott Adams. He like pulls up at the petrol station, puts the nozzle into his car, (laughs) goes inside, sees those. Those salty old hot dogs rolling on the rollers. Ooh. <laughs> Donuts propped up right next to them. <laughs> <laughs> just like a fucking montage of him just running around town trying not to look at things that are like phallic. <laughs> just being like, oh, God, no, it's everything. <laughs> oh. <sighs> All right. Anyway, Vin Diesel. Has to pull over so he doesn't drive through a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> If you see, you know, how you're constantly seeing trains drive into tunnels all the time. I mean, if, yeah, you're fucking, you're standing there at Central Station, and you're just like, oh, that train's gone back into the tunnel. Oh. <laughs> My goodness. So Vin Diesel, he's gone down down the road, uh, set by his peers, Jeremy Renner, and more specifically, Wolf Mother with the EDM tip. And um, we're going to give you a little little premiere right here. Of Vin Diesel's song, Feel Like I Do. Vin Diesel and Kygo? Couldn't tell you. Kygo? Kigo? K Y G O. Pronounce that as you will at your own leisure. Here we go. Ah. Uh. 
They've taken a pop song and then it's Vin Diesel talking over the top of it. But she's got a nice voice. It's not criminal. Very, very gravelly voice mm. that, he's, that he's putting to use here. Um, should we should we dive into the lyrics for a minute? I would love to very, very much. Alright. <clears throat> Who goes out on a Tuesday night in this town? Bar's too quiet and the cover band is too loud. Step outside, I'm uh, about to leave, when you are right on by, and I'll just freeze. All the times you tried to find someone that hit me like you, and I'm not the type who likes to rush in, but I want to. Now we're in the chorus. I don't know you, but it feels like I do. And I was frozen when you walked in the room. Because every single word, it just makes my stomach turn? Oh, because <laughs> mm. I don't know you, but it feels like I do. That's cute. It's, uh, How old is Vin Diesel? Vin Diesel is approximately sixty-four years old. That can't be right. I'm I'm gonna say I reckon I reckon Vin's getting towards fifty. Is what I reckon. Surely, yeah. Vin Diesel is fifty-three years old. It's a fifty-three-year-old man. Jesus Christ! Still Good out there him. kicking it with a rock, making movies. Making movies like Bloodshot, absolutely terrible. Uh, the rare Doesn't movie. Don't they hate The Rock now? Don't they fucking hate each other? Oh, really? Is that a thing? Do they? Oh, there's just like that whole, um, there's been like a, a long-standing thing in the Fast and Furious movies about neither of them being able to get more screen time or to seem like they could beat the other one. <laughs> they have to be like exactly on par in the movies. That's adorable. It's <laughs> beautiful. Oh, it's very nice. Okay, so um, one last thing here. It's train time. Trainly speaking, <laughs> <laughs> we have here. We don't have an intro specifically for train stuff. We should um, get one. It should just be the plainly speaking one, but with like a steam whistle instead of the chimes. <laughs> just just train train noises. I can probably do that. This is from CNN. Three railroad workers built a, quote, man cave under New York's Grand Central Terminal. Uh, three railroad employees were suspended without pay for converting a room underneath Grand Central Terminal in New York into their own personal man cave. <laughs> suspended without pay. I'm glad they didn't do anything like shoot anybody and kill them. Because mm-hmm. you usually different get to... for different folks, you know? I think you usually get to get suspended with pay uh, when you do that. The room was furnished with a wall-mounted TV connected to a streaming device, (gasps) a futon couch, refrigerator, air mattress, and microwave. According to a report released Thursday by the Metropolitan Transportation Authority Inspector Caroline Pacorni. She said, now I would just like to note, having seen the photos, that this room looks like it is approximately one foot by three feet. (laughs) It is an extremely small room crammed in under here somewhere. And and also, it's just like, uh, it's basically like if you worked in a big office and somebody said, 
hey, you can turn this broom closet into a break room. That's 100%. That's pretty much the vibe on this thing, right? Um, it looks extremely small. It looks like possibly the only space that these guys can uh, sit down for a minute. I definitely saw some people online saying, yes, it's called a break room. <laughs> that thing that employees used to have, you know? So, um, Metropolitan Transportation Authority Inspector Caroline Pacorni, Pacorni says, quote, Many a New Yorker has fantasized about kicking back with a cold beer in a prime piece of Manhattan real estate, especially one this close to good transportation. It's right there in the train station. Thing to say. It's like, dude, how great would it be to kick back with a cold beer in a piece of prime Manhattan real estate? I'm always saying this to my friends. When somebody says to me, would you like to kick back with a cold beer in a piece of, like, mediocre Manhattan real estate, I say, fuck that. Hell no. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck off. How close to Grand Central are we? (laughs) Oh, it's more than a five-minute walk? Fuck you. Uh, She continues, but few would have the chutzpah to Mm. commandeer a secret room beneath Grand Central (laughs) Terminal and make it their very own man cave sustained with MTA resources and maintained at our rider's expense. They were all summarily executed. It's not your rider's expense. They're just hanging out in a room. What do they mean by maintained? Like a guy's going into the secret room they don't know about and cleaning it for them? Yeah. Well, there's there's a photo of the open fridge and like the fridge door just has like half a bottle of cranberry juice and an open can of beer. (laughs) Also, they keep calling it a man cave. It's just like a room. Like, it's not a man cave. It's not like they've got, like, one of those fake jukeboxes <laughs> that a bunch of, like, fucking centerfolds plastered up on the walls. <laughs> it's a fucking room with a TV in it. Calm down. There's no um, Route 66 signs <laughs> up on the wall. There's no, like, old, uh, cool old license plates mm-hmm. or anything like that. There's no um, old old beer advertising. No framed picture of some dogs playing poker. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Uh, nary a piece of signed sports memorabilia in sight. Just ridiculous. And and like the, I, this whole thing of like sustained with MTA resources. I don't know if that means the light in the room is switched. I think on it's sometimes. the light. They're talking about the light, the electricity that the fridge uses. But like, unless these are either things that were already just kind of down there, and we're getting used. To. Again, we're talking about like some fucking musty ass old futon. Uh, and like a you know a small fridge and a TV. Um, <clears throat> so let's let's go through what they found here. The office of the inspector general found <clears throat> the following incriminating things: a half-consumed beer in the refrigerator <laughs> and an empty can <gasps> in the trash. So between three people, they had one and a half beers. <gasps> Disgusting. We'll save the rest of this one for later. Nothing like uh, coming back to the fridge after a 12-hour shift and finishing the other half of my beer that I started the day before. <laughs> Who's drinking half a beer? Yeah. Crazy hey, but, thing to hey, do. Hey, buddy, you going to finish this beer you opened last week? <laughs> they also found a cabinet under the TV that they think was built to hide the TV. What? The incriminating right. evidence. Okay. okay. The TV wasn't hidden in there, but okay. No, just a cabinet. <laughs> A clear plastic bag filled with sheets and a comforter. Hmm. Oh, maybe these guys, maybe the missus is mad, you know? Gotta find somewhere to sleep. Ah, bloody wife's angry at me again. Time to sleep at the train station. (laughs) 
and a cabinet in a locksmith shop storage area that hid a pull-out cot. Right. Sounds nice. This really, um... This really reminds me of, like, you know how Amazon drivers were were getting found having, like, trucks full of bottles of piss because the schedules that they were on to deliver mm-hmm. the number of packages yeah. in a day did not allow them to actually stop and use a bathroom somewhere? And the solution for this was for Amazon to say, hey, you guys are banned from having piss bottles in the truck. Like, wonderful. <laughs> great, great band-aid over the top of... Yeah, you've solved that problem once and for all. Uh, the office of the MTA Inspector General said it had received an anonymous complaint in February 2019 about the room. The complaint described the same three specific employees would, quote, hang out and get drunk and party. A second similar complaint was made in late 2019. You just gotta let, let the boys vibe sometimes, you know? Just relax. They're literally just vibing. Uh, the MTA said there is an overwhelming amount of evidence that three Metro North Railroad employees, a wireman, a carpenter foreman, and an electrical foreman, used the unauthorized break room several times. It's unclear if employees used the room while they were on the clock. So... Mm. Who gives a shit? So you you can't actually say that any of them drank like an inappropriate amount of beer, whether they did it on work time... Whether anybody was, like, sleeping there on work time. What if you were doing, like, a split shift or something and just went, I'm just going to go and, going to go lie down on the futon for a bit before I have to immediately go back to work uh, just to have health insurance, you know? Mm-hmm. It's unclear when the unauthorized break room was first created and how long it had been in use. The complaints were handed to the Metro North Railroad Security Department for investigation. So the office of the MTA Inspector General found during its investigation that the complaints were never looked at further. <gasps> what a fucking snitch. Who's beha- complaining about this? Unbelievable. The behaviour described in the IG's report is outrageously inappropriate and is not consistent with Metro North's values and the commitment we have to providing safe, reliable and cost-efficient service to our customers, <laughs> said Metro North Railroad President Catherine Minaldi. Specifically, our values are... Uh, don't have a secret room with a TV in it. Mm. I would like to know in what way this is actually impacting any of those any customers commitments on you know? any level. Grand Central Station management told investigators they didn't know the room even existed, <laughs> let alone that it was a locksmith storage room, according to the report. So it is literally a storage closet that they weren't for storing using locksmiths in mm-hmm. that they didn't for keeping know the locksmith in. <laughs> didn't, didn't even know it existed. <laughs> Officials said the wiring of the TV and the streaming device created a potential fire hazard. Fuck off. Fuck off. It did not. It sure didn't. I mean, these guys are... This is their job. It's like an electrical foreman. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. (laughs) Uh, They also found that the fire brigade considers an unmapped room for which no one appears to have the key to be very dangerous. (laughs) I mean, you had an unmapped room for which no one appeared to have a key before, except Mm. some guys now know that it exists. Except someone got to relax for a minute. Imagine how good you'd feel coming up with this, right? As the three guys, you'd be like, so I found this door and it's not on any of the maps and there's a room in there and no one ever goes in there. And they're like, oh, that'd be cool to do something with that. You just like wait a really long time and you're like, no one, no one knows. That's our room. We can do whatever we want with it. That's the one highlight of your shitty job. You'd probably get an underpaid for. 
is that you get to have like your cool little fucking room of requirement that you go into to watch the big game. <laughs> Awful. It, it's um, it does absolutely rule when you're at a workplace and you just find a place that nobody ever goes to. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a good feeling. You're just like, what if I just went and stood in there for half an hour? You know, that's my room for standing in. Mm. You stood in there, looked at the wall. Said, hey, I'm going to go do some more work tidying up that storage space, you know? Then you just go in there and you just, oh, you just space out, stare at the wall 45 minutes straight. Beautiful. And you do it on the man's dime. That's what's up. Good for them. <sighs> they continued the risks associated with employees hiding in that room with the door locked. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Create a variety of hazards, including the inability of rescue personnel to quickly access the room. Well, that's a risk that they took, and that's their choice. Yeah. yeah. Also, I feel like this is just like <laughs> grasping at straws to be like, mm, why are we mad at them? Ah, it breaks the fire code. <laughs> we don't like that you've done this and it's because you're spinning around and you're like the <laughs> too many power boards are piggybacked on top of each other <laughs> dear oh dear no, I think we have uh, time for one last story today oh no two two last stories I reckon Ooh. oh yeah. right. well, eight minutes I mean, hammer it out go for it let's right. go well we're not bound to eight minutes <laughs> <laughs> then I have to put another quarter into my computer mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, today we have an installation in... This is the one thing we didn't want to happen. And just to be clear, mm-hmm. um, that it's one of those insofar as this is the one thing this one guy didn't want to happen. Yeah, I mm. wouldn't want it to happen to me if I was this guy. The mm. rest of us are relatively fine with it happening to him, I think. Uh, so an Oregon man has accidentally shot himself in the groin while he was showing off his handgun in the middle of a supermarket <laughs> checkout line, according to police. Mm. Who could have foreseen this? This comes to us by way of Newsweek. Officers responded to McKay's Market located in Southwest Highway 101 in Lincoln City at around 7.30pm on Sunday. There they found a 29-year-old man named as Nicholas J. Ellingford had been injured after sustaining a self-inflicted gunshot wound to his groin area and leg. That's oof. Oh, like groin area that they're using sort of euphemistically here. I want to say like inner thigh, you know? Mm. Well, Maybe just a bit they, of the dick. They they also say thigh later on down here, I believe, which to me means it's distinct. When they say groin area, I'm saying they shot through it shot through his penis. That's oh, what I'm choosing. I was to believe. thinking it's okay. not through his penis. I I was all right. Let, we'll get into the all right. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll do the uh, Zapruder tape breakdown in a minute. <laughs> uh, so police say Ellingford had pulled out a Glock nine millimeter semi-automatic pistol from the waistband of his pants to flaunt it to a friend while waiting in the checkout line. America, just <laughs> flaunting What's going on? my Glock. <laughs> hey, hey uh, bro, check my Glock out. <laughs> hey. Hey, hold this gallon of milk for me for a second, because that's what they would say. <laughs> that's what they would say. Idiots. Hold my gallon, gallon of <laughs> milk. Oh, you wanna you wanna have a quart of my gallon of milk? <laughs> oh. oh boy. Oh, it's the roast of the United States on here. Yeah, I'm, I'm not at all sorry to our American listeners. It's a very oh, silly system. It's so <laughs> silly. And it's just you. 
You probably are like, oh, you know, some countries do one, some of the other. Look at the fucking map on Wikipedia. There's like three countries that are still using the Imperial system. It's the same as like fucking month, day, year format stuff. Oh. Like, oh, heaps of people do it like that. Mm-mm. No, it's just, just because America believes it's the only country in the world. Have a look at a map. It's, it's, it's fucking so, you guys. It's so Boom. funny to me when I see like uh, right-wing American politics talking about changing the metric and they're like, we will never do what these dirty French motherfuckers tell us to do. And it's like, you're the guys who are sticking with the Queen's thing. Yeah. Literally yeah. called Imperial. Fuck got him. Hell. So yeah, silly. All right, we and got it's him. so hard to do anything. Ridiculous. So, like looking at recipes and trying to... You get like your your ounces and your pounds yeah. and your quarts and your they got so many measurements it's absolutely yeah. absurd. Buying weed is confusing. Oh, it <laughs> is. You're trying to figure out like grams to ounces to Hello. pounds. I'd like seven grams of weed, please. <laughs> oh wait, how many grams are in a quarter ounce? You know, fucking hell, absolutely seven. ridiculous. Yeah, well, we know, but <laughs> not everybody knows. You know, <clears throat> um. When Ellingford went to place the pistol back into his pants, he mistakenly pulled the trigger, according to police. Pretty big mistake. <laughs> it is, right? I feel like I've never a... shot a Glock, but I feel like there's a few steps there. Mm. I feel like as far as mistakes that you can make with a gun go, it's top five, top ten. I reckon um, accidentally shooting someone else, number two. Accidentally shooting yourself, number one. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. I'm just going to point this gun at myself with the safety off. Rest my finger on the trigger. I love how often this happens in the groin area, just based on where they're keeping their guns. Yeah. Also, don't just keep it fucking tucked into the waistband of your pants, you absolute freak. Get one of those uh, fucking cool... You know how old 1970s cops had the, like, shoulder holsters? Mm. Get one of those. Sam Brown. What? That is the name of that type of holster. Yeah. Hmm. You learn something every day. That's brown with an E on the end. Uh, so, yeah, this guy, get yourself a Sam Brown shoulder holster like Elliot Ness in the movie The Untouchables. You know? I was picturing Steve McQueen in the movie Bullet. Oh, okay. They're two very distinct vibes, but both cool. Mm. You know? Yes. Turtleneck and a one of those. Oof. Mm. Now we're talking. Um <clears throat> Quote, this is from the police release, uh, as Ellingford was placing the firearm back in the front of his pants near the zipper and button areas. That's that's real cop talk. (laughs) That is the front of the pants as we traditionally (laughs) understand them. He accidentally pulled the trigger, causing the firearm to discharge. Police added that the bullet tore through Ellingford's groin area and exited out of his thigh. Right? You see what I mean? Narrowly missing his femoral artery. Yeah, but calculations in my head. All right, all right. Yeah. You're standing upright for it to come out of your thigh. It's not like you could shoot it through the upper part of your groin and have it come out in your thigh. You've got to shoot through the penis and then go into the thigh. I disagree, right? Mm. Um, If if we're like drawing straight lines, you know, and I I do appreciate that they that they made the distinction of saying that it is in the zipper and button area. They want you to know we're talking about right in the center of the body. We're up. Yeah, Lucy is now standing up. She's she's I got this lengthened microphone cord. Thank you. It's really useful. (laughs) So so I'm picturing, right, you put it you put it back in here and then you're shooting like down into the groin, like around here somewhere, right? Right. And then it goes down 
through your leg and out the back of your thigh. I'm guessing like just below the buttock. Right, because we're not talking buttocks. We're talking thigh. It's going, we're, we're, we're going through groin, through groin and then out the back of the leg. I don't think it could go through the penis without then exiting the penis. Then going back, in, the thigh back into the groin the thigh. or thigh area somewhere and coming back out. Well, it says it narrowly missed his femoral artery. Where's right, that? Right, so that way we know it's going through the inside of his thigh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just below, sort of, well, I guess the femoral artery runs like all the way up there. Now, if you own any like, uh, say, 3D rendering software yeah. and are able to put together a model of this. A real like forensic files model. Send it to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. If you would like to do a reenactment of this for the show so we could go into it a little further, please send that into mailbag at buntavista.com. Uh, officers rendered first aid before paramedics arrived to take over, police said. He was transported to Samaritan North Lincoln Hospital and later airlifted to Legacy Emanuel Hospital in Portland, Oregon. Uh, no one else was injured in the incident, just this man and his pride. However, <laughs> penis, potentially. Police said a criminal investigation is ongoing and Ellingford could face charges. Quote, Ellingford did not have a concealed handgun license and his act was found to be reckless. <laughs> since <laughs> it, it placed several people in danger. So there are a few issues here. <laughs> <laughs> several? Okay, let's get into them. I mean, it's funny enough if you've shot your own dick off as I'm alleging, uh, and you are licensed to carry a concealed weapon. This is you just illegally having a concealed gun on you, being in a supermarket, being like, yo, check this shit out. Well, anyway, time to pay for my gallon of... (laughs) (laughs) Bang, bang, bang. Bang. It would be funny if it was multiple shots as well. It's struggling (laughs) to get it in there. No, thank you. No being shot through the... Even just the groin, let alone the penis, you know? And let alone the thigh as well. Um, yeah, like, since getting, uh, that appendectomy, which is, like, really minor surgery, they cut these tiny holes in you, and then for, like, a week afterwards, you're like, I do not want to move. Um, so the idea of having a hot bullet tear all the way from the front through to the back of your thigh and come out the other side, somewhere in your groin region, uh, possibly straight through your penis, as you are suggesting, Ben. No, I think it's very bad. I think it would actually take quite a while to recover from that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Who, who knows if he's going to be able to have his ecstatic New Year's orgasm? <laughs> Maybe not this guy. <laughs> as supplied by Scott Adams, creator of Dilbert. I don't know. I am going to disagree with your categorization of the under-the-shoulder holster as a Sam Brown. Yeah. The Sam Brown belt appears to be that thing on military uniforms where it goes from the belt over the shoulder and back. Uh-oh. We got us a holster guy. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, I just wanted to check. Not that I, you know, I'm going to fact check everything you say. I mean, we might be thinking You are currently fact checking what I'm saying though, right? I am, yes. But I don't normally because I can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, this does appear to be more of like a British, British uniform kind of thing, doesn't it? Yes. The armpit holster doesn't appear to have a cool name as far as I can find. Hmm. Okay. Also, armpits are funny. Yep. Just in general? Yep. Yeah, okay. it's a funny thing to have connected to a deadly weapon. Pulling a gun from my armpit. Hmm. And I have murdered you. So, before we get out of here, we have time for one more segment, and that is one that we do have a stinger for. Uh, can I find it in the list of our many, many stingers? Oh, I know, <laughs> if you just stole for time, maybe. It's okay, I found it. Um, this one, plane-related, because Lucy, 
big time plane head. Here we go. Uh, this is your captain speaking. Please return your seats to their upright positions as we are coming in hot on another edition of Plainly Speaking. Yes, Plainly Speaking, established so that Lucy can talk about her sick, sick love of planes. Everyone loves it, all right? They like it. <laughs> Lucy, <laughs> Give me a break. Lucy, okay. Lucy was sitting on the couch the other day and Maeve came... Oh, um, <laughs> Maeve came through the room going with her. She has like a little, um, like a little seven four seven toy, like a little Qantas seven four seven. It's not a seven four seven. It's an A three eighty. I don't fucking <laughs> what, is, what is it then? What is it then? It's got four engines. It's very clearly an A three eighty. Okay, so A three eighty toy. Uh, Lucy immediately said, "Why didn't you show me this sooner? Why didn't you show me your coolest toy?" Um, and then later on when Maeve was in bed and Lucy was playing with it by herself on the couch, <laughs> she turned to me and said, this isn't where the front landing gear should go. Oh my fucking God. It's not. I feel like it should be an accurate toy if they're going to sell it, all right? <laughs> it's insane. Um, oh, all right. Just do the story. <laughs> <laughs> this is from the ABC. Qantas' scenic flight to nowhere could be the fastest-selling flight in the airline's history. Would you pay $800 or more for a flight to nowhere? No. This has been Bunta Vista. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not. More than 130 people in Australia already have, and Qantas believes it's one of the fastest-selling flights it's ever put on. The airline, which has bled almost $2 billion since the pandemic began, will run a Great Southern Land Joy Flight which will depart and arrive in Sydney. It's a horrible place to start and an even worse place to finish. <laughs> Thought I was getting away. <laughs> oh, well, this doesn't feel so bad. At least I'm not going back. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's just like as you're, as you're sitting there, you know, relaxing, and then you notice the, the light through the window start to move across <laughs> your lap as the... Wait. Wait, they're turning the plane around. I this this makes me think of a story we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which was the guy who was like um, the, the fucked up car guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the guy was like, Similar. "Hey, if I have to work from home, I'm still going to get in my car and drive it for a while for no fucking reason." And yeah, like one of the only one of the only positives out of the pandemic is the whole you know big reduction in CO two from people not constantly driving their cars for hours every day to and from work. Uh, so I love this shit. I love what if we just sent some planes up in the air and just flew them around in a circle and came back down. Beautiful stuff. It sounds nice, but it's very pointless and stupid. I saw this headline and I thought it was going to be like, you can sit on the plane and we'll feed you <laughs> and give you alcohol and you can watch a movie. And that and would be you nice. Were like, yeah, that's the dream for me. <laughs> yeah. And they just have ground crew like um, jumping up and down on the wings to move it around a little <laughs> Uh, the passengers had been promised great views of Australian icons like the Great Barrier Reef and Uluru, which are off-limits to many people due to border closures. From the sky, there are no border restrictions, the advertisement says. <sighs> well, if you don't have a window seat, what's the point in this? You can't you even just, see anything. You just get to breathe that beautiful well, airplane air. <laughs> so Qantas has these other flights, uh, which I, I briefly entertained the idea of doing ages ago because uh, until I looked at how fucking much they cost. But they do these flyovers of Antarctica. Uh, and the way they do them is that you don't get like a reserved seat as much as you get. There's like, they only, you know, sell 
a quarter or less of the plane or whatever, and you alternate. So some people get some time in the window seats, and then you go have your drinks and snacks, and then you go back, and then you go into the window seats or whatever. And I don't know if they're doing that or not. But also, it's a, so this is 130 people for one flight. How many seats are on one of these planes, Lucy? Uh, what plane are we talking here? I, I don't actually know. Maybe they'll say, there's no need for baggage on the seven-hour flight with no stopovers because you're not fucking going. not going anywhere. But passengers have been told they'll also see Katajuta, Byron Bay, Bondi Beach, and Sydney Harbour. Why the fuck would you want to see Byron Bay from the air? (laughs) (laughs) Is the appeal of that? Look, there's some awful people down there. Great. Wow, but Qantas says the plane will fly as low as 4,000 feet to get passengers as close as possible to these landmarks. I don't like that. I don't, which, okay, that's got to be like a smaller plane or something, right? Right, surely? That seems insane. What does that mean low. that when you're taking off, there is a point where you will be at 4,000 feet? Like, <laughs> <laughs> True of all flights. True of all flights. <laughs> Just go on a scenic flight, like go on a helicopter or something. God. Economy tickets were priced at $787. Premium What's economy. the plane number? <laughs> <laughs> That's like fucking like $100 less than I have paid to do return flights to the US before. Yeah, that's like a return ticket no, to sorry, America. I, yeah, fucking that's insane to me. That's What the fuck? Who is paying that? Uh, premium economy, uh, $1,787. And business class was $3,787. Why are you paying for premium economy? Isn't that just like a better seat? I get a bit further up the plane. Mm. (sighs) And the flight still sold out in under 10 minutes. Goodness. Fucking idiots. So are we assuming that the the price is that is because it is a 787 Dreamliner that they're doing it on? I would assume. Maybe. Because that's a big fucking plane. That's pretty big. 360-ish seats, I think. Uh, it says the Dreamliner is about... Oh, hang on. No, sorry. They've got a bunch of different specs here. The 787-8 <laughs> is 248 passengers. The 787-9 right. is 296 passengers. Okay. It's not the biggest, but this is still ridiculous. It's... um. They one thing that they're not really getting into in this story is whether or not they're like um, keeping people spaced apart on the plane. Whether or well, not there's, I assume like... you have to, right? It sounds like they've about half sold it. Yeah. Okay. I guess for that purpose. We knew this flight would be popular, but we didn't expect it to sell out in ten minutes. A Qantas spokesperson said it's probably the fastest selling flight in Qantas history. People clearly miss travel and the experience of flying. I don't miss the experience of flying. I like being in other places. I miss the experience of flying, but yeah, I am but you're not enough freak. to do something this stupid. God. And bad for the environment. It's not mm. about the destination. It's about the journey and uh, sitting in a tiny little chamber to take a piss or shit. You know, the old airplane bathroom. Bastion of freedom. Not a well, fan. No, don't use them. Don't, you just don't do it? No, oh, I feel like we've talked about this, about this before. Podcast before, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've all got a thing, <laughs> and this sure. this includes international flights, right? This includes the thirteen or fourteen hour flights that I've done before. Wow, this is hmm. enlightening. I have a, a few very specific phobias uh, that are ruining my life. Is one of them being sucked out of the plane through the toilet when you flush it? 
Oh, it's honestly, it's not even, it's like not the mechanisms of the toilet. It's not the toilet itself. I just don't like um, uh, asking people to move or being visible or right. <laughs> I, it's, I can't, I, I, I don't know what it is. My brain is not good. I have some problems. <laughs> well, it's not a problem you're going to have to worry about anytime soon. <laughs> no, that's certainly true. Captain David Summergreen will pilot the flight on October 10 and said he was, quote, super stoked <laughs> to be flying again after months out of the cockpit. I don't want a pilot that says that. <laughs> I'm fucking stoked I'm as. I'm fucking stoked. <laughs> All right, I'm going to be getting another plane now. Goodbye. <laughs> also, you can catch planes. You can catch domestic planes. They're still going. Yeah, you can just do that. True. He says, this is taking me back to the days when I learnt to fly. <laughs> oh, that's definitely not what I want to be hearing no. from my pilot. <laughs> no, I want them to say, wow, this is just like how I have been flying for 40 years. And it doesn't <laughs> remind me at all of the first days. Uh, and we were down in light aircraft flying very low around things, he said. To be able to take an aircraft like this and do the same thing <laughs> would be absolutely fantastic. No. What could go wrong? To be able to do cool studs in a Dreamliner full of people. <laughs> I don't, mm, this is kind of worrying. I don't know. I don't know if you're meant to take an aircraft like this and fly it like that. That's very strange. I guess they wouldn't be getting their money's worth if they were doing this on a smaller aircraft, right? Like That's true. To make the price point viable for them, they need a big one. But also they've got this guy doing fucking barrel rolls with a large <laughs> passenger. <laughs> doing a 787 barrel roll. <laughs> Oh, uh, so, Qantas CEO Alan Joyce has been vocal in his opposition to blanket state border closures and accused leaders of being driven by politics and not health advice. Hmm. Uh-huh. Do you think maybe his opinions might be somewhat informed by the fact that he wants to keep making like $25 million a year? Probably. Mm. Maybe. I don't want to just level accusations like that. <laughs> Qantas says demand for domestic travel is high, and last week the airline started a petition, ah, classic mm. petition, calling on state leaders to ease domestic travel restrictions or risk a lot of business failures. The petition has already been signed by 40,000 people ahead of Friday's National Cabinet meeting, which will discuss the definition of hot spot <laughs> for the purpose of border closures. The Oxford English Dictionary defines hot spot. <laughs> Mr. Joyce said the Great Southern Land Flight was a small lifeline at this time. Huh? No, it's not. <laughs> this flight means more work for our people who are enthusiastic, more enthusiastic than anyone to see aircraft back in the sky. More enthusiastic How? than Lucy? <laughs> I don't know. How many people do you think this is giving work to? You know, you, you got your, your baggage people, all of the ground staff, all your, you know, what have you. I don't think this is going to like completely revitalize the industry doing a handful of like scenic flights no. every now and then. And also even with a full plane, like the actual profit margin on a flight is really, really low. And so if they're not even selling the whole plane, I'd, I feel like it's not going to cover the cost of it. Yeah, but what if you're paying $4,000 just to fucking fly around in a circle with no baggage? Look. Well, that's that's the whole thing with first class, right? That they're, they're like essentially the ones paying for the paying flight. for the whole flight. Yeah. Hmm. Thank God for rich cunts. Yeah, thank God we, we love would be without them. <laughs> yeah. Because I like being able to afford to go on an aeroplane. <laughs> Qantas has not ruled out organising more scenic flights. An initiative taken up by airlines in Asian countries, also desperate to keep pilots working. Taiwan airline EVA recently organized a Father's Day scenic flight over the country, and Japanese airline ANA took passengers on a 90-minute 
Hawaiian-themed flight last mm. month. Ooh. Kind of curious to see that. It's just my ties <laughs> on the plane, I assume. Mm. Singapore Airlines is now considering flights to nowhere to and from Changi Airport. One of the great airports, I think we can all agree. Mr. Joyce said considering the demand for this new kind of travel, Qantas will definitely look at scheduling more scenic flights so to nowhere. This is all about literally one flight? I guess so. This is uh, from the great Australian journalistic tradition of just barely altering a press release that you've been sent by mm-hmm. Qantas. Oh. Beautiful stuff. Mm. Now, uh, just before we get out of here, you may notice uh, an absence of Theo for the next however many weeks, uh, and that's because him and his wonderful wife have had a beautiful baby boy. A nice little Yay. baby called Finn. Little Finn Thomas he is extraordinarily cute. All the photos Theo keeps sending us are adorable, largely because they also have Theo in them, and all of us, I think, have been doing a very good job of not replying, that's great, which one's the baby? <laughs> Very sweet of us. We're wonderful friends. No, uh, he looks very happy. And also, I agree, a lot of babies look like shit when they first come out. I'm just going to say. Is, mm, it's this true. is a good looking baby. A lot, of babies, a... a lot of babies look disgusting. A lot of babies look like little 50-year-old men, mm. scrunched up miserable faces. Uh, this baby has big round cheeks. Cherubic, uh, nice, I would almost yeah. describe it as. Mm. Nice, good looking, smooth pink baby. And that's what's up. <laughs> that's what you want. That is what you want, because sometimes you see people's babies and they're like, look at my baby, and you go, uh, that's, so that's keep, a it baby. Up. keep it up, keep it up. It'll um, it'll get better. Keep it so up, just it's all going to shake out for you, baby. Uh, so yeah, lots of love to Theo, Kaylin, Finn, uh, Gnome, I guess. Yeah. Don't know what no the names of the what... chickens are. Uh, I don't even know if the chickens have names. Wow, that's... Rude. That's... So savage. It's know? not come up in conversation. I mean, he also has bees. Do you think his bees have names? It would be ridiculous to try and name all the bees. <laughs> See, that's where you draw the line, is uh, somewhere between chickens and bees. How many chickens has he got? Uh, two or three. Yeah, so yeah, yeah he's I, probably named those You chickens. can probably remember those, you know? I don't know. I feel like I, maybe I'm just a bad friend and I haven't been listening. Who knows? Well, well, we'll check into that and we will follow up and we will let you, the listener, know. About uh, Theo's Theo's chickens and their names. <laughs> and potentially the bees and their names. <sighs> uh, so yeah, if you want to write into the show, have a little chit-chat with us, uh, send something into mailbag at Punta Vista. Uh, Australian listeners can also call in leave a message, 1-800-317-515. American listeners can call 732-876-3446. And if you'd like to write into, sorry, call into the voicemail of a different podcast, it's not ours. Stop it. Uh, Stop 888-842-2357. It. Mm. Hey, Theo's baby was 3.5 kilos, or for just Americans, 7 pounds, 11 ounces. How many fluid ounces? <laughs> you want to know the <laughs> volume of the baby? Yes, was, how, much, how much fluid's in that baby? Uh, yeah, and also... Um, what was the only other thing we were going to say? Oh, and his his baby was born with with the call on, which mm. is like st- born like still inside the placenta. He had a sack baby, and that is mm, extremely baby. rare. One in every eighty thousand births. Yeah. T Bird said uh, when I told Eleanor, she said that's magical. And Theo huh. told us that you have to peel the baby out of there like Ace Ventura coming out of the <laughs> fake rhino's ass in Ace Ventura <laughs> when nature calls. Oh, birth is a miracle. 
truly is. Uh, so that's it. That's it for us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.